Welcome to the Ramp Church Podcast. We are so honoured that you've joined us today and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church forward slash mcr or find us on social media. Now let's head straight into this week's message. takes us through seasons not just where we hear information but he takes us through seasons where his teaching and the experiences in our life and situations at our workplace or in our family they're woven together like a divine drama to do something transformative in us he's like a life artist he doesn't just create the cosmos and when you go to the lake district this kind of beautiful scenery for you to enjoy while you're reading Williams Wordsworth and, you know, looking at the fog, which is what is often happening at the Lake District. It's not, that's not the only thing he paints, right? He's painting the story of your life. That's why the writer of Hebrews would say it like this. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. And he likes drama. (laughs) Can anybody give me an amen if that's your life? He likes drama. Why? Because the best stories always have some really tough parts in the middle. But the beautiful thing about God's God's story writing is redemption is such a part of the way he tells stories that it's actually his name. He is redeemer. Which means it doesn't matter how bad things get. He knows how to weave that together for your good and his glory. We just sang about it a few minutes ago. It's this understanding that my life is being woven together, not just for my comfort, we've got to get knocked out of that idea, but for my good, for my flourishing, for for leading me into thriving and for the glory of his name and the glory of his kingdom. So in this chapter, we're kind of honing in on what's commonly called the Great Commission. Um, Let me see just your hand if you've heard of the Great Commission before. Just wave it at me. So I I just want to read the Great Commission to you. Uh, We have two accounts of this. The most popular one is in Matthew 28. The other one's in Mark 16. So let's, let's read this one in Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. Jesus came and said to his followers, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples or apprentices, followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, there's so much packed into that, and there are so many layers. And to to ultimately understand what Jesus means by that, you really have to dive into the whole storyline of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. Because it isn't, it's not one book, it's a library of books. And it covers thousands of years of history And there's so much that's culminated in this one moment. So it would take uh, multiple lifetimes for us to really explore what's in there. So we're looking at it in this chapter from one angle. How did the people who were standing in this location, when Jesus said those words physically out of his mouth, those people who heard it, how did they respond? Because they'd been hanging out with Jesus for quite some time. And so they had, an, they had a pretty good idea about his value system, about the way he responded to problems. When he's processing kind of decisions, where he's going to go next, they were in those rooms. I'm, I'm just imagining, I'm kind of, this is the book of Joe right here. I'm, I'm just kind of imagining that he thought out loud sometimes, where they got to hear his thought processes because he's in developing people. He's not just into barking out orders. And so they got to hear kind of that internal dialogue. How is he seeing problems or struggles that pop up that maybe his team didn't foresee, and he's leading them along that process. They're seeing him grieve. They're seeing him celebrate. They're seeing him party. I mean, all these things. They are following and walking with him. And then now their, their story with him is kind of culminating 
in a charge. So here's a dude that, that has done incredible things, okay? Mind-blowing things. And the, the latest thing he's done is so far outside of their paradigm for what could even happen that, that they're now deciding to devote their lives to him. He's moving from teacher into God himself because he just, he just was resurrected from the dead, okay? They had no paradigm. They weren't expecting that. And now he gives them a charge, and this is the charge. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. You, you have to know this. If, if the guy you just experienced the most incredible thing you can even fathom and imagine gives you a charge at the end of his life, you're going to take it seriously. So for them, they weren't, they, they weren't like moseying into the next season, Right? They're not apathetically like, well, you know, God is sovereign. He's going to make it happen, and we'll just pick it up. And God is sovereign. That wasn't a, I'm not picking on the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. I'm just saying that wasn't their mode. Their mode was not apathy. They took what he said seriously, and then they took personal responsibility for it. So we're, we've, we've kind of divided to help teach and understand this into several parts. And we started by looking at, how they waited on God in prayer and fasting. That was his first commandment. Go to Jerusalem and wait. I hate waiting. I hate it. I want what I want now, right? I'm okay with process because process, at least I get to do something. But when you tell me not to do anything, that's when I can't handle it because I want to do something. I want to, well, they were waiting. They were waiting, they were praying, they were fasting, they were waiting. And God showed up to do the impossible. We've also talked about what, what does it look like to care for the poor and the needy. That has been incredible. We've also looked at what does it look like to, to understand our place in culture, the story of our city, the story of what God's doing through different areas of culture. So there's been a couple weeks of that. And there's another element, and we're going to kind of cover that today, um, in, at least partially. And that is, they had this this urge, almost an urgency, to multiply the church. They had an urgency to take what God was doing with them and in them and multiply themselves. Let, let, me, just get it like, let me just tell you like this. It was not like a church growth tactic. And there's a lot we can learn from the church growth movement where we think strategically about organizational structure and institutional change and how to lead well, how to manage well. That's, that, that, that's not it. Jesus didn't, he didn't like, sit them down and go, let me tell you about management and change theory, right? Let me tell you about how to transition communities and people groups into new, hey, all that stuff is awesome. I love it. I read leadership books all the time, okay? I love that stuff. But he, that, that's not where he started. But they did get an urgency to multiply. They did get an urgency to see what was happening in their life and in their world, spread not just hold it and love it and think it's great but but to but to spread it and this is the title of my message today and 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 this needs to get in us ramp church we're built to multiply we're like built to multiply this is not just a natural phenomenon this is not just a biological dynamic this is a spiritual dynamic. It, God has built it into creation, the fabric of creation, that even the way our biological, natural world operates is that it multiplies, right? Like begats like, to use some King James language there. That only happens like once every six months. So if you liked it, be sure to write it in your notes. Like begats like. Okay, so, so we are reproducing, we are multiplying people. And you can see that in the spiritual DNA of the early church. And here's what I want to tell you, um, Ramp Church. There's something when the Spirit of God starts to work in us, this desire to spread and multiply what we have. And some of you are like, you're like a horse like in a stall. Like you cannot wait for a multiplication. But others of you are like, ooh, I don't know if that's awakened yet on the inside of me. That's something you need to pursue God for. This is one of the reasons why the apostles waited on the Holy Spirit to come. Because he had this multiplying work he had for them to do, and, and he was going to do something in them that was, that was not just so real, 
but that it was, it was so um, spreadable. That in them, it, just, it was just something in that, that, that needed to, to come out. And we've been in a season, Ramp Church, if you've been around for a bit, you've noticed, of multiplication. We're now multiplying into a second location, Oxford Road. Anybody from the Oxford Road launch team here? Come on, let me see hands. Lift those hands. Yeah, come on. If you want to be a part of the Oxford Road launch team that's meeting tonight, 6 p.m., and maybe you're like, I don't even know what that is, uh, come along. You can find out more, but training starts tonight for that team. But we're also multiplying in, in, in the numerical kind of numbers that are a part of our faith family, and there are people who are still kind of checking things out, but people who are just deeply kind of embedded, are, you know, and everything in between. And so that multiplication needs to be stewarded well. And so that's what I'm talking about today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk a little bit about what is our structure, how are we changing our structure as a faith family moving forward. And like Stacy said, some of this is family business, but there's going to be principles all along the way for your own life. Say, my life. My life. Your life needs structure. My life needs structure. And I want to read you a story from Israel's history, Exodus chapter 18. Israel's moving out of a previous season. And they're moving into a new season. Say new season. Every new season in your life requires new structure. You hearing me? Because God wants to do something new in you. He wants to, he wants to, he wants to do a new content. So he has to have new structure. Hebrew says it like this. By the word of God, the worlds were, you know this verse? Framed. What's a frame? It's a structure. So the word of God framed the world, and then he put creation inside the frame. It's the same way. If you want God's creative life force in your world, you got to create frames. And those frames, those structures hold the content of what God wants to do in you. So those can be time management. Those for you can be your daily devotional life. Those can be structures of relationships and friends. Those can be financial structures. Those can be structures of thought. There's so many different structures that you can create in your life. We don't, this message is not about diving into those, but we are going to dive into church structure today. And I want to take you into Exodus chapter 18. Israel is in this problem. They're in between two seasons, coming out of a season, going into a season of promise. And this was a man named Jethro gave this advice to Moses, the leader of Israel. Select from all the people some capable Honest men who fear God and hate bribes. In other words, there's, there's purity and they can't be bought. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, 150, and 10. I love this verse because um, the story of Moses and Jethro, it emphasizes the effective structure that helps us lead. It emphasizes that effective structure helps us lead well and care better for God's people. It reveals that some people are called to lead thousands, others hundreds, some people fifties, and others ten. Now already in our more is better kind of mentality, you're like, oh, thousands, hundreds. But this is what you got to understand about, about this principle. It's, it's, it's this idea, this next, this next slide. Group size isn't a statement of people's worth. It's referring to their stewardship. It's not a statement of worth, it's a statement of stewardship. And every circle of influence is vital to our health as a community, our multiplication as a community, and each group carries its own unique victories and challenges and requires wise, skillful leadership. It isn't about worth, it's about stewardship. You notice there's no like value statements in that. It's purely structure. And uh, I want to tell you this next principle you've got to understand in your life. Not only do you need structures, but it's this next slide. Uh, you have a stewardship. If you've been around church for a while, you've had, you've had some people like prophesy or pray over you, and they've gone, mm, I just see this over your life. Wherever your foot shall tread, that God is going to give to you. Anybody ever had that prayed over them before? Wherever, I just see this, and wherever your feet tread... And that's, that's amazing. I love that verse. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of making, making fun of it. But it's Joshua chapter 1, and it's an incredible promise, okay? It's the promise over Israel. Wherever your feet tread, that will I give to you. But we leave out the other part of that. You know what the other part of that is? First, God gives them boundaries. He gives them actually specific, here is where your boundaries are, and wherever your feet tread inside of those boundaries, that will I give to you. 
we apply this unending expansionist kind of philosophy to that verse. And we like apply it wherever I want it. Well, I want that over there. My feet are all over it. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You have to hear from heaven about your stewardship, your grace lane, the place God's called you to operate. And then you better make sure your feet are on every square inch of that stewardship. They're on every square inch in prayer, in fasting, in service, in love, in care, in compassion. I mean, you walk all over it. Right? Well, God's not in my workplace. I don't see him working. Well, have your feet been all over your workplace yet? That's your stewardship. That's not my stewardship. I don't work there. That's your stewardship. See, we've got to understand, because what, what we do when we don't understand stewardship, and we just understand the principle of feet, I just made that up, is we think that wherever I walk, God's going to give that to me. No, no, no. He's already designated a place for you. And it's through obedience and service and stewardship that you obtain the promise. Not through sheer ambition and willpower. You are ambitious for the thing God's given you, according to your good and God's glory. But I don't just get to be ambitious about the whole world and like just believe God's going to give it to me. Well, because I believe it. Faith is not about my word. Faith is about God's word. Faith only starts when I understand His will and I can apply that to my life. I, it's, this is not a get rich quick or a, or a uh, make your life better scheme. Human flourishing is the result, but it always starts with God's agenda, God's plan, and God's good purposes. Are you hearing me? It's important for us to understand. And I want this to put fear uh, in, in, like a, in, 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 in a way that stifles us. I do want us to put the fear of God in us. To realize at the end, God's not going to ask how good I did with someone else's stewardship. God's going to ask me how good did I do with the stewardship he gave me. He's gonna, I'm, I, when the, I may go, well look God, look I walked over here. I did all that stuff. He's going to be like, alright, cool. Well, what about what I asked you to do? Ugh. But I really liked it. I really enjoyed that. I, look how much I walked over there. I prayed. I gave. You have a stewardship. You have a grace lane. You have a place that God wants you to flourish in. And the first step in understanding our structure, what structure, is, is we've got to understand our stewardship. So as we're looking at this next season for us at Ramp Church, and I'm looking at the structure one of the things we're asking is, God, who are you calling to lead in and of Ramp Church in our community this next season? Because as we multiply, that means there's a greater requirement for people to, to lead inside of our community. So Stacy and I, of course, we've been seeking God for how long have we been here? Seven years on who, who's to lead this community. <laughs> we're always seeking God seven years, but we have, we have certainly spent the last um, several months just seeking God deeply and um, are, are kind of coming to the end of a season of extended fasting, even for us, where we are, we're really just putting our, our heart to heaven. And I feel like God's given us two things. I feel like he's identified some key leaders for our community now, but I also feel like he's given us a structure that's going to carry us into the seasons to come. Yeah. So he's giving us a structure that's able to contain the promise we don't yet have. I hope you're able to apply this to your life as, as well. And saying, God, what, what structures me and prepares me for what's coming, not just for what is? You with me? So there are some people that I want to just share with you today. And then, um, but then also realize there's more coming. Say there's more coming. There's more coming. And we, see, we even see that um, when we look at who is God called to lead the church, we see that Jesus actually started this process even before the disciple, before he left. So I want to talk about six six categories that I feel like we can look through the New Testament to learn what are kind of the characteristics of New Testament leaders. There isn't one exhaustive list, but, we, but I can summarize the lists throughout the New Testament into six sections. These are the six sections. What makes a church leader? Number one, character. Character. Say character. Jesus actually emphasized this point before he even left. So his disciples were really interested in like who's going to lead before when Jesus was still here. I, how do, that really makes you comfortable in your leadership, doesn't it? Hey, when you're out of here, who's leading this thing? 
And Jesus did not rebuke them for the question, but, but he, did, he did correct um, some of their thinking around it. This is what he says. Well, first, let me tell you, the world leads in a domineering, a domineering way. It's not going to be like that with you. Whoever serves, whoever serves is the greatest of all. So already they're like, oh, <laughs> if that's like the job description, maybe not, <laughs> maybe not, maybe those guys over there. So what is he, what, what's he trying to say? He's trying to connect their, their, their idea of leadership or authority. He's trying to take it from this hierarchical sense to a, to a place of deep, life-changing character. Before God wants to use you to do anything, he wants to shape something in you. Are you hearing me? Because leaders, and you in your own life say me, you don't produce what you want or what you say. You reproduce who you are. So if you see the fruit of your life that's always leading to something... And you may go, ooh, gosh, what is that? Is my prayer life or is it my desires or is it what I'm speaking? It's deeper than that. That's why the, that's why the, the, the principle is like begats like. I did it twice in one message. Like begats King James, King James. Like begats like. I'm not going to quote Shakespeare, okay, in my American accent. That would be a disaster. Like begats like. We recreate who we are. And I can read the best leadership books I've ever, and I can like, just like regurgitate all that information. But, but ultimately what, what will reproduce in the life of, of this church is not what I say. It's what's real about me on the inside. So that's where Jesus started. Character. Character. The second thing is capacity. This is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 25, the, the parable, what's commonly called the parable of the talents. I, I like to call it the parable of the stewards because they're given stewardship, then they have to give account for it. That's, that's a sign of capacity. How much capacity do you have? And there is ability and capacity to fulfill the demands of ministry leadership, pastoral care, team guidelines. That's, that's, that's what this means. So there's character, there's capacity, then there's anointing. Um, I love this because of first few chapters of Acts, it was said of the early leaders, of the early followers of Jesus, they, they knew they'd been with Jesus. Do you remember that passage? Isn't that beautiful? They, they could even, they, it even says this, they could tell they were unlearned. It, this is not a call to be unlearned, right? Paul was far from unlearned. They're just saying, in light of how little they know, it's unbelievable the authority they walk in. And then they identify the source of their authority. They'd been with Jesus. Proximity to Jesus is essential for church leadership. Are you hearing me? Proximity to Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. There's clear Anointing is when there's clear confirmation of God's call through personal conviction and fruitful demonstration. That's what anointing is. It's a clear confirmation of God's call through personal conviction and fruitful demonstration. That's the anointing. I could, each of these are messages in and of themselves. I know this is so much to cover. Number four, gifting. Gifting. Um, there's clear demonstrations of spiritual gifts for leadership, for care, for servanthood, for teaching. And as the Holy Spirit is, is multiplying the church in the early church, you see these gifts emerge. And God uses gifts. The, the, the fifth thing, fifth and sixth are really based on the first four. And that is there becomes a recognition inside the people of God and church leadership. There's widespread acknowledgement. And admiration among congregants, church leadership, the wider community of spiritual authority, corporate influence, and relational harmony. Those are important. And the sixth, appointment. We see this trend throughout the New Testament that current church leaders would appoint new church leaders. There's, there's too many verses for me to, to kind of dive into. Acts 14, Titus 1, 2 Timothy 1. All those things are really important. So what makes the church leaders? That I could teach a whole course on that, but there it is. In 10 minutes, welcome um, to your ecclesiology course. You, you have, you've passed with flying colors. So I want to talk about some different ways. What are we doing with all of this information? How are we applying this to our own world? Well, the first thing is this. Here's, here's the first structure we're tweaking uh, is this next slide. We're expanding our pastoral lead team. We're expanding our pastoral lead team. Woo! So here's our current lead team right here. Hey, beautiful faces. Um, and, of course, a few of those have been with us from the beginning, and Laura has, is kind of new to our community. Don't you love Laura? Yeah. Aren't you thankful for her? 
Um, but I, I, I want to make a note about this before I talk about um, the way our, our church family is expanding. And Stacy, would you come help me do this? Welcome, my bride. Thank you, guys. Thank you, dear. So I would like to take a moment just to thank Karen Chadwick. Um, and she has just, she has been promoted at work to now full-time head teacher. She was covering maternity, but now she is head teacher for the longer stint. And we are so proud of just everything God has done in her. And she has been over our children and, past, um, our children and families pastor for the past five years. And she came just on a word from the Lord. She lives 40 minutes away. She has a family. She has a big job. She's overall safeguarding at, you know, different schools up to that point. And she came to me one of the very first Sundays that we had opened and I was in the back of the, you know, kids church, just like trying to figure out everything. And she said, I feel like the Lord just wants me to help you. And I said, that's fantastic. Will you be our children family pastor? <laughs> and she's just faithfully been such, not just a personal friend and encouragement, but carried a lot of weight. And I want to just, I want her to feel our support in this new season where she's stepping into her assignment as head teacher of this primary school. So Karen, would you please come so we can just give you a little tiny token of our appreciation. You guys stand to your feet. She's sacrificed a lot. And let's just stretch our hands and pray over her even right now. Lord, we just thank you for the sacrifice, the time, the petrol money, the stress, the rotas, the kids, all that she's poured in to this younger generation, Lord. And we thank you, Father, for open reward for every hidden sacrifice. And Lord, we thank you that your anointing is on her. Your gifts are in her to lead and to help bring awakening to this generation. And as she goes into this school year, we just declare your protection, your blessing, increased capacity to carry your joy in the midst of suffering, your light in the midst of darkness, God, your peace in the midst of chaos. And we thank you, Father, that you have opened this door and no man can shut it. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege and joy of running along with her. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you, Karen. So Karen will still be a part of our, um, our church and our faith community, but she's stepping down from the lead team. And maybe there's some of you who want to step up to help carry that weight. She's been temporarily helping for five years. So it is time to pass the baton. And if you have a passion for kids ministry, if you have a passion for safeguarding, if you want to help us kind of spearhead some of that, then come see myself or Jen or Karen. We'd love to talk. Oh, oh, I told Karen, um, I said, the only thing that helps curb my sadness on this whole thing is, number one, you're still going to be a part of our faith family. And number two, I'm convinced you're right where God wants you to be. And the increasing demands at work um, means that she's taking, that's her stewardship, right? That's her cultural mission field that God's called her to be a part of. And we just send you with, with all the, the, the belief and faith that God's going to do the impossible in that school. And we need more Karen Chadwicks all around this city and this region doing what only you guys can do. So of course, um, uh, Jen, if, if you've met Jen, is, is, is really helping. And Karen has been working with Jen for months and months. Um, for, to help with that transition. So if you're wondering what is happening with Ramp Kids straight away, um, there's actually no kids workers back there right now, and they're, they're just running the show. So that's what they're doing. Um, so I'm not sure what it looks like. Um, no, Jen, uh, Jen's been working with Karen for these, these past few months, and uh, his, his, um, it's just a, a, a timing of God, the way he does that. But I guess the question is this, this next slide, isn't it? Um, and whoa, we skipped ahead a few slides. So if we can, if we can just go forward to that next, the next slide after the one that we had. Uh, so go back a few if we can. And we're working on it. And keep keep going back, 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 back. <laughs> well, um, we were. I just spoiled some other news right there. So here's the here's the question then, isn't it, guys? Is anybody ready? Go to our next slide if you could. I'm really pleased to announce. <laughs> Edith, would you stand, please? 
<laughs> would you would you just share a couple minutes with our faith family? <laughs> Who loves this woman of God? So I, I, Edith has been in Stacy and I's prayers for this specific role for I don't I don't even know how long months and months and months and months and months long long time and um, just really seeking God big time and um, it's because of uh, all all the six the, the four things that I mentioned and the, and then the fifth thing is recognition of your faith family and then the sixth is what we're doing today which is appointment but those first four character. Capacity, gifting, anointing, and um, <laughs> and I <laughs> and I am just absolutely thrilled when uh, oftentimes when I'm when I am considering <laughs> when I'm considering God, who are you calling? And this this is at the thousands, five hundreds, hundreds, tens level. Um, it doesn't matter the sphere. I go, who do I wish there were more of? Because, again, if you reproduce who you are, that's, that's the essence of leadership. And so I, if I had a cloning machine, Edith would be one of the first people through it. Come on. Why? Because I think our city would be better if there were more Ediths in our city. I think our community would be better if there were more Ediths in our community. And so I am so thankful. She is practically, everybody in our lead team, there's nobody in simply an advisory role. Everybody is practically overseeing something. And so she is um, overseeing uh, the, the prayer ministry at Ramp Church. So what happens after services where our prayer teams come over there, she's developing that really from the ground up. And so I'm so thankful for that. Of course, the pastoral lead team has, has input into all that we do. Um, but that's the specific area that, that she's going to have oversight over. So do, do, you have, do you have even like one minute? I'm not normally um, short for words. Um, God is faithful. God is faithful. And um, it doesn't matter where you start. It's about how you finish. And God has called us all on a journey um, to advance his kingdom. And every single person has a role and has a place. Nobody's exempt. It's not about standing on the platform. Everybody has got something to bring to the table. And I just want to encourage you to never disqualify yourself. It doesn't matter your background or what you've been through. God will always make a way where there seems to be no way. He's calling his church to arise. He's calling his church to take up their position and I just want to encourage us to just come together. Let's be a united body. It's not about this gifting or that gifting. It's about unity in the body of Christ. Because the work is vast, there's a lot for us to do. So I just want to encourage us to um, just take one of the things that the Lord was telling me this morning. Can I just share one little thing? <laughs> One of the things that the Lord was <laughs> one of the things the Lord was telling me this morning. Um, so we we went away to um, David's tent, which I'm sure you guys are aware of, is a 72 hour um, time of worship in God's presence. And one of the things I thought the message was just for me, and the Lord was saying it's for His body, and the Lord was saying that He's missed us. He was saying that he's drawing us into a place of intimacy with him. And he's laid a banqueting table. But it's, sometimes it's only him that sat on the table. And he's waiting for us to come. And sometimes we can be very busy. 
We can be busy with activities. We can be busy with all sorts of things. Or sometimes we feel we're not worthy. We're not worthy to come to the table. But the Lord is waiting. He's waiting for each and every person. And he's saying, come back to me. He's saying, come and drink of my waters. I'm waiting for you. It's there. And the Lord is also saying that there's some of us who have got tired in the waiting. And he's saying, it's time to put your fight back on. Get your fight back on. The race is not for the weary. It's not even for the swift, actually. It's for God who shows mercy. He's saying, get your fight back on. Get your fight back on, saints. It's never too late. And I always say this term, it's not over until he says it's over. It's not over until he says it's over. So get your fight back on. Get back into that place of intimacy with the Lord. He's waiting for you. Amen. Tell her how much we love her. So uh, about a month ago, of course, you know, like I said, Stacey and I've been praying about Edith and for months and months and months and months, maybe a year or more. I don't, time for me is like not a thing. So I don't know how long it's been. It could have been 14 years. I don't know. Um, we were at our worship night and at the end of the worship night, Josh Green, is the, is the night Josh Green preaches. And um, I don't even know if Josh Green knows you. I don't even know how he knew your name. He must have asked somebody. But at the end of service, he, he says Edith, and he calls Edith out, and the first words out of his mouth were, there's leadership on your life. She breaks down crying, and I'm like, well, Lord, yeah, I guess I wasn't quick enough. And you just had to make this public. So he, he did that, and, and, and here we are. So I'm really excited. So that, that's, that's the first thing that we're doing, our, our, our leadership. Our pastoral team is expanding, and, you know, there's, there's more to come in the future. Why? Because God's multiplying, right? But the next thing we're doing is this. We're creating a new team, um, and we're looking at location lead teams. So there's going to be lead teams over each location, Media City and Oxford Road. And this is kind of a new framework for us that we're going to fill more in the future. But the first person that's new has already been spoiled. I think you've already seen it. <laughs> to our location lead team is this next slide, Lisa Fasipe. <laughs> Would you stand, Lisa? Please just stand. Just celebrate. Celebrate her. <laughs> There's a whole lot of love for you in this place. So Lisa's going to step into the role of worship coordinator here at Media City, um, which means, well, it, it means what it says. She's going to be coordinating um, the, the worship expression and the environment and the rotas and the teams and raising up other leaders here um, at this location, which I'm so excited about. And, um, and then the next section are going to be our Oxford Road team. So there's more, again, there's more to come in all of these, but, but our Oxford Road teams are really built for this launch phase, this launch season. And then we're going to kind of reevaluate and go, okay, God, what, what's, what are you doing for the long term? And so the first person in our launch season uh, is worship coordinator, Emma Mould. Come on, stand up, Emma, stand up. <laughs> Don't you love these amazing worship voices that God's put in our... And I'll tell you, one of the things I love about both of these hearts is they don't just have hearts to do, they have hearts to raise up. And so they have, because of their experience and all that God's used them to do, incredible things. Um, and they could very easily just, just do every week. You know, it would be a lot easier for them. But instead, they have a heart that's turned towards the next generation and others. Who's, who's God put in our community that's, that's going to be raised up? So we also have a new position that we're kind of creating inside of our location lead teams. And that's a worship assistant, Camilla DeSano. Yeah. So she's, she's going to be carrying that. Um, alongside of Emma, uh, Emma. And then we have um, a brand new um, role as well that we've created. And that's location coordinator. And for our Oxford Road, our location coordinator 
is George, George Abella. <laughs> so George is going into his fourth year of medical school, so he, he's looking for things to do, basically. Um, but the last six months, uh, the last six months, the last six weeks, he's entered full time at the ramp um, in this summer break and full time plus. He's given even more uh, and has really been instrumental in forming all that is happening to make Oxford Road happen from structure to policies to to marketing. I mean, it's just been like everything has George's fingerprints on it. Everything. All over the place are George's fingerprints. And I'm so grateful and thankful for you, George, that he's put you in this place. And I'm excited about the journey ahead. So don't you love this young man, this young leader? So we're expanding our pastoral lead team. We're creating uh, location lead teams. And the next thing we're doing is this. We're solidifying an executive lead team. And this is something that's really been in operation practically um, but now we're, we're kind of formalizing that. We're solidifying that. And those are the leaders inside, really, uh, really, uh, that, that lead Ramp Church and the Ramp. So not just our, our local expressions, but the, the Ramp as a movement side of what we do. I think Acts 6, we're talking about how the early church respond to, to the Great Commission. Acts 6, there's an amazing story. The church is multiplying so much... I don't have time to read it. I wish I did. I love this story. Church is multiplying so much that there are actually people's needs who aren't getting met. You ever felt like that in church? Don't answer this. You ever felt like that in ramp church? I know the answer is yes. I know the answer is yes. So that's, that's, that's a byproduct. That's a growth pains, right? It's a byproduct of multiplication. And... And there's so many complaints that the church leadership just gets together and goes, well, this isn't a problem. I mean, this is a problem, and it's not a heart thing. We don't want to not meet people's needs. It's a hands thing. There's a huge disconnect between our ability and our structures and what we want. Does that make sense? And we've got to, we've got to pull those two things closer together so that there's less distance between our, 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 our desires and our actions. And growth always pushes those two things further apart to where ah, the, the intention gets lost because they're acting like they're smaller. They're acting like problems are less. They're acting like things aren't there. But, but we, need, we need to bring those closer together. And this is, what, this is what the apostles said. They said it's not good for us to give up the preaching of the word and prayer to go serve these needs. Do you, know, do you know the needs were actually, a, they, it was actually racial tension was going on inside the early church. And the apostles, weren't, they were not saying that this, this is below us. It was nothing like that. Again, it's about stewardship. They were saying our realm of stewardship is the word and prayer. And we know that, that they weren't insensitive towards it because they go, well, we need, we need to find people and raise up other leaders to meet those needs. Are you tracking with me? I, I didn't make this stuff up. It's in Acts 6. You can go read it. It's right there. It's plain. And so that, that, that was what they said. So then they said, ooh, so we've got to meet those needs. Otherwise, that's our pastoral team. Our pastoral lead team are, are those kind of Acts 6 leaders that are raising up to help, to help care for the congregation. But our executive lead team are those Acts 6, those, those five-fold ministers. And I like to think of it this way. This is too much to unpack now. But God's called people to, to, to be leaders of the church, to be leaders in the church, and then to be leaders from the church. Leaders from the church, are your primary realm of stewardship is actually outside the church. That makes sense? You're called to lead your ground where your feet, it's, it's out there in culture. And so you serve your church family because we're a family. And well, when I go home for Christmas dinner and I, my mom asked me to peel potatoes, I don't go, do you know who I am? <laughs> I, I don't do that. And if I did... Well, you can fill in the blanks on what would happen there. Why? Because I'm a part of the family. I don't go, well, you, do you understand how much I know about the Bible? She would be like, peel the potato. <laughs> Why? Because I serve my family. I'm a part of the family. I serve my family. My leadership is, is in a different place. Does that make sense? So I don't exercise those, uh, no, I'm serving my family. So... There's leaders of the church. There's leaders in the church. This is, this is Jethro and Moses' thousands, 500. And then there's leaders from the church. You with me? So these are leaders of the church. 
I didn't invent this. this is in, it's in the Word. So we're solidifying it. This is, this is who it's been. And it's, well, that's because we, when we started, we didn't really know anybody here. <laughs> so that's, that's who it's been. And, but we are bringing up uh, someone from our pastoral lead team into our executive lead team. And that's Camilla Farah. Would you stand, Camilla? Just stand. <laughs> and I've I've told Camilla I have I have a passion to hear in in our not just our community decisions but our movement decisions what what's happening in the hearts of our people and in our community, and she carries that. If you if you have one conversation with Camilla, you're like, oh my goodness. What are you doing tomorrow? Do you want to talk? It's, it's like that. It's like she can just tell, like, in that moment, you are her world. And she, she carries that pastoral heart, aside from being a counselor, a professional counselor. So we're so excited, Camilla. And the fruit from your leadership and, and your life is evident across our church, um, in our communities, in the care of our people. And I'm so thrilled about the season ahead. So, um, But we're also adding a new member to our executive lead team. And... That's James Aladdin. <laughs> James, would you stand? <laughs> so, as you guys know, James has been a part of our teaching team since before the beginning. Um, when we moved to Manchester, there were two people in Manchester that we knew. James Aladdin and Rebecca Aladdin. So in our first meeting that was in our, in our home, in our living room, my family, um, there were more people in my family than came to the meeting, came to the Ram Church meeting. It was James and Becky and Sanja. Where's Sanja? Where are you? Right over here. Come on, just stand, Sanja, so we can honor you for how long you've been here. Um, but James and I have been, first of all, you don't realize how much him and I dream about what happens in this space, and we have since before even Ramp Church started. And there are, there's so much that's happened. He's been behind the scenes, and Becky has been behind the scenes. And, and it's not been a formalized thing. We've just dreamed out, what does it look like to have a church where prayer is at the heartbeat of, of what happens in that church? So we dream about those things together. And that's the kind of decisions that the executive lead team thinks. We're thinking of direction. We're thinking of vision, those sorts of things. DNA, and how do we steward the DNA that God's put in this house? But James in this next season, um, because he's looking for stuff to do as well, he wants to step into an increased capacity inside of the ramp and ramp church. And so he's committing to, to actually pull back his traveling schedule some. Are you hearing this, ramp church? <laughs> to lead prayer spaces throughout the week here at ramp church. And then, of course, commit to, um, to our regular executive lead team meetings. Um, and that deserves some serious honor. Wouldn't you agree? So would you just one more time. You've been so gracious, but one more time. Thank you. Thank you. You've made me a better leader and a better person, and I'm excited about what this is going to mean for, for every expression here at Ramp Church. But, not, uh, um, so, but it doesn't stop at our executive lead team. This is the next thing we're doing. We're leaning on serve team coaches, and this is going to be new for our serve team leaders because I'm literally announcing this to you right now. But our, our current serve team leaders are, 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 coming, um, are really coming into a new place. And I'm so excited about this because this is the heartbeat of our new direction. Our heartbeat is what I've already talked about, about Emma and Lisa's hearts, that they carry that desire to raise up other people. And so moving forward, our serve team leaders are really moving into a coaching capacity where they're thinking, how can I find other people who burn for this area or have a gift for this area and find a place for them? Many of our serve team coaches are those leaders from. So you may come and go, you know, you, you may wonder what is it, you know, what, where's their role in here? Well, their, their, their realm of stewardship is often out in culture somewhere, in the marketplace, in business, in healthcare. And then they come and they serve, they use the gifts that they, that they utilize in other places to serve their church family. Does that make sense? It's an incredible service. It's an incredible sacrifice. So um, we're st the, the, the serve team coaches for Oxford Road are TBD. Um, if you want to be a part of that process, you can come tonight at 6 p.m. Oxford Road. But here's our ones for Media City, 
And you guys know these people. So we're leaning on serve team coaches. If you are a serve team coach, would you just stand to your feet? I just want to honor you all around this room. Come on, guys. Stand to your feet all around this room. Serve team leaders. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yes. Yes. So if you serve in any capacity in Ramp Church, you already know these people. And they are setting a table every week for our city to come and serve at. Week in and week out. When you come here and you just get, and you and I both, I'm saying like you and this is not me. Well, I just get to walk in here and, and just sit down in my seat just like this. Just like that. Someone put that chair there. And it wasn't me. You tracking? And it's somebody who, they don't put chairs out in their everyday life. They don't put chairs out in their job. It's not like they are the official chair putter outer. Chief chair putter outer officer. I don't even know what the acronym for that way. That's not what they do. They, 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 they have leadership capacity in their own life, in their own world. And then they come in here and with a heart of sacrificial service because they love their faith family and they love the city we're called to reach, they set a table every single week. That table that Edith was talking about for the city to come feast at. And do you know what that is? It's, 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 a, it's a fragrance to God, incense to him that he receives and it will last into eternity. I can tell you it will last into eternity. That our serve team coaches. And um, I, want, I just want to, um, with this emphasis on, you know, on seeing people who have kind of leadership in their life, I want to invite you even into that leadership pathway. Maybe you're thinking, oof, I feel like I have something on my life in that, in that world, or I want to develop that in, in my world. And I want to tell you, leading a community or leading a serve team is a great way to start if you want to do that in your church family. And you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be with people. I think of like Tim and Jackie Nelson, for example. If you want to learn some leadership and how to care well for people, get on their team, and you're just going to catch some stuff. Can I get a witness? Anybody love Tim and Jackie? I've lost count of the people who come up to me, who come up to me and when I meet them and I say, well, how long have you been coming to Ramp Church? And they say, well, about four or five weeks. Um, used to, I would meet people on their first week, but now it's like four or five weeks, and I go, oh, well, have you connected anybody? Yeah, yeah. Um, they were at the door, and they were so nice. I said, Tim and Jackie, yeah, Tim and Jackie, Tim and Jackie, they were amazing. I can't, I've lost count of the times I've, I've heard people say that. And so if you want to learn how to do that, that's an art. You don't just accidentally, like, make that happen. They have the, they have, they've developed the skill set, and they have the heart to be able to make people feel loved. And so get on their team. So that, that's a part of that. So the next thing we're doing, and then we're going to end with some, with some prayer. Um, has this been too much talking? I feel like I'm talking too much. Okay. The next thing we're doing is, I, is we've talked about, a lot about leadership structure and realms of stewardship. But sometimes it's hard to see, well, what does that mean for me personally, like in my own needs? Like when I have pastoral needs, you know, I want you to leave knowing, well, here's what I do or here's the way I structure my life. And this is the principle that I want us to understand in any season of your life. This applies for any season of your life is this. We're embracing our layers, say layers, layers. of friendship, support, and care. There are layers of care and support in your life. It's not, it's, it's not, just, like, it's not just like you come to a great church and tick, all the things I need as a person to thrive are there. There, there, it's a journey. And can, can I give you the first layer? The first layer, and every person can leave, whether you're a person of faith or not. You may be an unbeliever in the room, but this is going to help you today. Number one is two to three close Jesus-centered friends. If you don't have two to three close Jesus-centered friends, I mean like call three in the morning and you know they're going to answer kind of friends. You could go to a church with the best pastoral care in the world and you will, you'll never reach the place of thriving and flourishing. And I'm going to show you where church fits in a bit. Because our needs, our relational needs weren't meant to be met in, in, a, in a gathering of 200 people alone. There needs to be two or three friends and they know, they know me. I don't just mean I spread my, like, my accountability out between 10 people so everybody knows a little bit. I mean, two to three friends, they know everything. Like sometimes when they, they know this kind of stuff. Hey, I'm looking at spending some, some money that's beyond what I'm used to spending. I just, need to, I just need to make sure I'm not like losing my mind here. Or this isn't like an impulse. Or that, those kinds of friends. Like they may know how much money you make and your budget. 
They know your struggles. You, 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 you retrieve that, that biblical spiritual discipline of confession. You hearing me? They know when your marriage isn't doing well. Those kinds of friends. And nobody can do that in your life but you. I don't mean that to be a weird pressure or, a, or like a condemnation or guilt. I don't mean that. I just mean to say, if you're expecting something to meet a need that, that's not built to meet that need, you're never going to have that need met. And so I just want to be honest with you. Two to three friends, I call this your core. And the, these, your, those, that core needs to be fueled by some hard questions. Can I give you a list of hard questions? Um, this is what your core needs to ask you. Have you been in a compromising situation this month? Have any of your financial dealings lacked integrity? Have you viewed any sexually explicit material? Have you spent quality time in Bible study and prayer? Have you given priority time to your family? Have you fulfilled the mandates of your calling? And then this, this last one I really like. Have you just lied to me? You know, you, know the, you know my core? You know who they are for me? They don't, they don't care what I do. They don't care how many YouTube views I have. They could not care less. They don't give a rip how good my profile photo is or how, or how awesome you think I am. They don't care. And, but they also don't care if you think I'm bad because they know me in a different way. Does that make sense? So they're not moved by that stuff. You need those in your life. Second, uh, community leaders. If you've led a community in, inside a Ramp Church, um, and any season past, if you've, if you've been in a community, that's our small groups here at Ramp Church, our house churches. If you've been a leader or a host, would you just stand to your feet around this room? Come on, if in any capacity, past or present, come on, stand to your feet all around this room. Leaders or hosts, stand up. Lori Ann, stand up. Look at you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice and your love. Um, this is your community. So you have your core and then you have your community. This is really our first layer of pastoral care as a faith family. If you need prayer, you need to go to your community. You need to go to your community leader. And go, I'm, I'm battling this. I knew this was working a couple months into our first seasons of communities when someone came up to me and they started telling me that I'm in, like, I, I just got out of the hospital. I was mortified because I didn't know. So, like, I don't know if my face should have, but I was just on the inside. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't realize. And I said, I had no idea. They said, oh, it's okay. Oh, no, it's okay. I was just letting you know. My community leader came. I said, this is working. Because we can't multiply if my schedule every week is filled with 30 hospital visits. But I'm not saying that's insignificant. No, 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 no. That is not insignificant. It is significant. That's why we need to have somebody who can do it. You with me? So you have your core, you have your community, and then you have your church in your city. And this is about your spiritual leaders, your life leaders, your career leaders. If you need someone to help you with your budget, go to a financial counselor. Are you with me? You, I'm, I'm a spiritual leader, right? And that is, that's your church and your city. That's the next level, the next layer of support. The next layer are then specialist helpers, and that's your world. Some of us, at different seasons of our lives, we need counseling, we need therapy, those sorts of things. So we're embracing in this season our layers of friendship and support. And Stace, would you come up and help me kind of do this, the final portion of this? You guys have been amazing. You guys have been amazing. Thank you, guys. And I can just go ahead and ask the band to come on up as well. And we're just going to close with praying over all of us in this next season because I know many of you, whether maybe you realize it or not, God has entrusted you to be an example in somebody's life. You, and leadership is a life that can be followed. And we're always growing, right, and what that looks like and capacity and all of that. But somebody is watching your life right now. And I want us to give God just a fresh yes. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your, you know, family members. Maybe it's people on your sports team or in your classmates, you know, colleagues. But you have this God-given gift of being able to be a taste and an example of what the kingdom realm is like and representing Jesus Christ. We're all representatives of him. And there's that, that, that responsibility. And I want us to just sense the grace of God being wind in our sails 
And all of us, no matter our leadership, no matter our gift, no matter what we have um, been assigned to in this season, we are all in need of God's grace. We're all in need of His mercy. We're all in need of His patience towards us. And we need to extend that to each other in our growth process. Um, But let's just go ahead and stand together.